Hello, hello and welcome. We are back. It is Mark and this is Trucking Answers, the podcast. Can you believe it's Friday already? It's Friday. That's what people say when they don't like their jobs. They can't wait to uh, get out of them and go work somewhere else. So it's Friday and uh, we have much to talk about in trucking news, really not much, and some automotive news and another reason why we are not yet on Mars I'm Mark, your host, and I'm here with Gracie, my co-host, who's given me the evil eye because there's a small spot in her bowl that she can see the bottom of where there's no food, even though the bowl is pretty much otherwise full. She wonders why I'm talking instead of feeding her. People that have a cat know exactly what I am talking about. So that's what's going on today. Hey, I want to bring uh, up another country that listens to the podcast. This is done, downloaded in 31 countries now around the world. We are worldwide, worldwide. Kuwait. Kuwait. One download in Kuwait. That's one, one download in Kuwait. That is correct. So you one person in Kuwait, welcome to the podcast. I hope you tell your friends that we can double the amount of people that listen in Kuwait by the next podcast. All right, that's super good. So we all know what's in the news. So, hey, Mark, let's get right to it. Yeah, let's get to it. Our president, a known truck driver, Joe Biden, brought out yesterday and said, look, employers over 100 that have 100 or more employees will will require their employees to either be vaccinated or get tested every week. So let's talk about how that will work with trucking. Now, there are many companies that have 100 employees total. Remember, just because you don't have 100 drivers doesn't mean there aren't 100 employees. So first, let's think about that. And let's put aside a moment the fact that this will certainly be challenged uh, in court and all that stuff. Now, so what I'm going to talk about is if it survives the court challenge and they go, all right, this OSHA rule can go into effect and that it will be mandated. And so... What will happen to drivers? Well, it'll be good and bad. So there's a bunch of drivers, 30, sometimes 40%, depending when you read, say they would never do it no matter what. They'll force somebody to fire them. Well, look, I don't necessarily believe there'd be that many because when ELDs came out, oh, I'm going to quit driving. Nobody quit. And when, uh, you know, automatic trucks came out, same thing, I'll quit. No, people didn't really quit. I do think some people will be more offended by this because, This isn't something where people have to stick together on. This is something that people will do individually for themselves and say, all right, I won't do it. Here's the thing. For people that do get the vaccine, then they will have a better place in the market. It's kind of like when you get, uh, you know, an endorsement or you have experience, you'll be more useful in the market. So the rates will even go up. And that's something that got sent to me this week. Two people, and I saw a video about this, but two people also sent in screenshots. There are loads now on load boards that are requiring vaccinated drivers. Okay, so that's how uh, that's happening already. Places are requesting that just to, uh, and this was before uh, the president's announcement. Okay, I got those. So that is coming about, not like a lot of them or whatever. Apparently, 9% of companies are requiring a vaccine. Okay, other than Tyson, I don't know of any. They could be smaller places, don't know. Now, here, let's take a look at this from the company standpoint. And, you know, what I've always said, if you want to get it, get it. If not, you know, I don't like government mandates for things. That's what I say about that. 
Um, so you're a company, let's say, and you have you know several hundred drivers, and they're on the road. And you have a choice now at your company to say, all right, everybody has to be vaccinated or we can test people every week. That's the other option. How difficult would it be from the company's perspective to go and have drivers that are on the road tested every week? How hard would that be? Think about that for a minute, seriously. So you got drivers scattered all over the place and they got to go in every week to some testing facility and you got to find it and go get them tested. And who's going to pay for that? Plus, you'll have to get the driver from their truck to a testing site, wherever it might be. They have to wait there and get tested. And personally, I think since the company is telling you you have to go get tested, I think you have to log that. That's my opinion of it because you're being mandated by your company. You're being directed by the company to go do it. And then the company has to wait for the test before you could drive uh, or go to work. And they have to maintain records of this for OSHA compliance. What, what do you think would be easier? Uh, it'd be a lot easier if they just said, look, vaccine or no drive. I think, look, from the company side of it, oh, they won't do that. Listen, what if you had a thousand drivers all scattered all over the country and several hundred of them didn't want to, uh, didn't want to do it? What do you think about that? Would that be that easy to do? I don't think so. I think that would be hard to keep track of. I think around the country, you had 350 drivers every week that you have to find, figure out where they're going to be at that end of that week, go to somewhere, go to a facility, go to someplace, get tested, wait, you know, and that test is not 100%. So say a couple of them come back positive, whether they are or not. Now what? Now two weeks in a motel, who pays for that? Does the driver get paid, you know, or not? That kind of thing. That's all up in the air, but, but much easier from the company perspective to say, look, go get the shot or we're, we just can't tolerate it because they'd have to have somebody just to maintain all this and it would become very expensive. That's what I think. That's how I think it would go from a company perspective if, if this survives the court challenge. And people can say, well, I won't do it or whatever. You can say whatever you want and you cannot do it. I mean, you know, I think people have an obligation to feed their families, no matter what. People would say, I would do anything for my kid. Well, would you take a shot or would you quit your job? You know, that's the thing of it. The other part I've seen on Twitter and stuff about this and a lot of places, there's many, many people out there. Oh, well, you know, if you don't get the shot, you shouldn't get medical care. Really? Is that what we've come down to here? And if that's true, then if you're one pound overweight, you shouldn't get medical care. If you didn't exercise in the lat three times in the last week, you shouldn't receive medical care. If you've ever eaten fast food, no medical care. If you drink soda, no medical care. Smoking. If you've ever smoked, no care. No. If you've ever drank, no care. Is that what we should do? Is that how you want to do it? Could people, anyone survive that kind of scrutiny? That isn't how it works in the United States. All right. People get medical care regardless of their decisions they've made for themselves. That's what freedom is. You don't get to say, oh, no medical care. And Stern, right? Stern came out. F people's freedom. I want to go to my neighbor's house. Well, go to your neighbor's house, you big baby. All right. F Howard Stern. How about that? <laughs> Why don't What about his freedom? Why doesn't he put his freedom aside? <laughs> I don't know why he can't go to his neighbor's. That's what he actually said. I didn't want to go over to my neighbor's house. We'll go. Who's stopping you from going to your neighbor's house? All right. Stop being a scared baby. Just get out there, all right, if that's uh, if that's what it's going to take. But uh, that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff just aggravates me to no end. No medical care. My grandmother, 
who lived to a wonderful 54 years old from smoking Lucky Strikes, still got medical care. All right, she still got care, even though that she smoked and to her own detriment. All right, should she have not gotten care? I don't know. Maybe some people might say that. Should she have not sent me to go buy cigarettes, which happened when I was six years old? And I remember going with a $1 bill and a note to a corner store. There were just really stores in your neighborhood then. There weren't a bunch of stores. This was blocks away. Okay, it's six years old, crossing streets, four-lane roads. To uh, hand the note up there and get a, a, a box, you know, a, a pack of Lucky Strikes. And then I could also get a candy bar or whatever. And that would about cover the dollar. All right, I remember it would cover about cover the dollar. And I walked home, six years old. So, uh, but she got care. She died early, and that was uh, that's certainly her choice. But to say no care, then anybody that says that, we have to look at: Did they exercise three times? Did they work more than fifty hours? Because anything over fifty hours, every study shows, is terrible for your health. Just kills you, really terrible. So, no work in fifty hours. You're one pound overweight. Oh, sorry, you got to weigh in before you get care. Oh, you smoked when you were nineteen? Oh, no. Sorry, you sorry. No care for you. No care for you. That's not how we do it here. And ironically, the same people that talk about this are the same ones that want universal care for everybody. So, uh, except uh, those people that they don't like, apparently. Apparently. So think about, think about the shot, and that in the in the bigger picture of if some people do leave, and I do think it would be a percentage, I mean, a considerable amount, not like the ELD or whatever. It's not going to be the 30 or 40% that people say, no way, no way. Not every, not all these drivers can go back to their neurosurgery practice that they left, uh, you know, <laughs> to come driving. And you know what I'm talking about. You talk to them, you talk to them. Okay. But some, some might, you could leave it also and go to a small company that didn't mandate this. So there's some of that, too, that people could go buy their own truck or lease somewhere. And, uh, you know, they would be independent. And so there's that. There'll be more of that coming. And, uh, you know, if some leave the industry, that would put more pressure on those that are left. Rates would increase. And I'm seeing this also with these uh, load boards and stuff. I think it's something to consider as, uh, as time goes on, certainly. So as I finally move into trucking news i just have a couple things i want to ask people i saw this posted some people got a hundred dollars for labor day and we're all happy about it uh i noted that i noted a couple people were talking about that Ooh, i got my boss gave me one hundred dollars for labor day oh that's really something and this is what we've come to now because we think oh you know some people don't get anything and so if i get something that's better than nothing so what happens is you get starved for a while and then when somebody gives you a crumb you think you're really getting something. All right, you should get a day's pay, not $100. To, to be all right with that is uh, is is what what we've been conditioned to. It took, it took years and years for these companies to do this, but I see that it has worked. You know, just time and time conditioning, less and less, and then give you something. Oh, this is, oh, this is really something. You're like, you're in a cage, you're not fed for three weeks, they throw down a piece of bread, and you're like, oh, I can't believe how generous you're being. Don't fool yourself into thinking that a C-note is any kind of big deal. All right, companies doing that should do better. All right, and you should get a day's pay, not uh, just $100, unless you only make $100 a day, apparently. And a Koch, right? Koch and Sons? Oh, yeah. I think they pronounce themselves Cook and Sons, right? They're in the news now because why? The, um, the, 
the government ruled on this lawsuit that women brought against them for strength training. This place, not strength training, right? Strength testing. This place uses, as many places do, this strength test. And you should think about this if you're at a company that does these. These uh, goofy strength tests. I don't ever recommend working at a place that does them. I don't like them. Uh, they're, they're not relevant to your job. And that's exactly what the Department of Labor said about their test. And that, it, in fact, was discriminatory. Why? Because women were much less likely to be able to complete the test because it involved heavy weights, sometimes lifting as much as 75 pounds. And what they found is that the job doesn't require you to do that. So that the test, for them to administer a test, a strength test, it has to relate directly to the job you're going to do. They'd be allowed to do it if your job required you to do that kind of thing. But there it doesn't. And what it did was discriminate directly against women and, you know, people that just can't lift that much weight, which was the majority of people were women. So they would come, apply, and then couldn't get on because of this test, not that because of any other reason but this test. And so then the test kept a certain class of people out, right, which would be women, and they found you can't do that, <laughs> right? So they actually have paid one person $165,000. They've apologized to them, and now this is ruled that it's not allowed. And so if you're at a place that does this testing, keep this thing in mind. Look this lawsuit up and uh, see if it is affecting you in some way, because it might. It might be. There's no reason for them to give it at most places. You know, when you just open the doors of the trailer, you know, who unloads trailers anymore? There are some places, but most places you're not unloading, and you're certainly not dumping 75 pound boxes all day long out of these trailers that just doesn't really happen this isn't 1966 all right so when they do these they're just trying to weed out you know people oh this is a good reason that we don't have to have these people working here no don't allow it don't let people do it so I wanted to talk also about the Volkswagen ID4 some automotive news I thought this was great this is the electric car Okay, 40 grand, all right, and I put my escape next to one they had over there, and it's smaller than that. So, they did a charging test, and they were all happy in this article about it. Oh, look at this great, wonderful $40,000 tiny car that has a 250-mile range. Remember that 250? You got that in your mind, 250 miles? And they said, let's go find a fast charger. So they, they actually drove this car until it stopped running. So it was at 0% and towed it, flat towed it, right, on a flatbed over to a charger. So that was absolutely out of juice and plugged it in and said, all right, let's time this and see how long is this car going to take from totally empty. If you could just coast in on your very last uh, electrons and charge this thing up to full so we can go 250 whole miles <laughs> all right how long did it take one hour and five minutes one hour and five minutes so isn't that great so you get to drive three and a half hours and then sit for an hour five and that's if you timed it perfectly and since you wouldn't be able to do that you wouldn't be able to drive as far but it also wouldn't take as long to charge if you only had to do 210 miles it would take less time maybe 50 minutes, 55 minutes. How long does it take you to fill your car up? That's what I always like to ask people about their little electric cars. How long does it take to fill up a car? Five minutes right, or less? 
right? I can, in five minutes or less, I can put 450 miles of range in a Sonic. All right, and get it anywhere and not have to worry about uh, this kind of thing. So I was not that impressed by 250 mile range in an hour five. That's what needs to be solved. And there are not that many fast chargers. I looked around. There's only a few of them here in town. So because you can go online and find out where all the chargers, most of them are level two chargers. They're not fast DC fast charging here. So finding one and then if you got there, it has to be empty. There can't be anybody in it. And and at an hour, five minutes, a car, if people left right at full, you don't get to put that many cars. How many cars can roll through a gas pump every day? Quite a few. So there you go with that. Now today, let's talk about gap insurance. Do you get gap insurance? I think you should. What gap insurance does when you buy a car is if you have an accident or for some reason the car is totaled, the gap will pay the difference between what you owe on the car and what uh, is the car's value? Because when you take a car off the lot, it becomes used. It's used, right? It's like old underwear. It does not worth as much as a new pair. And because of that, it might not be worth what you owe on the car. People think like when, uh, like say, somebody else totals their car, that that person has to pay their car off. They don't. They only have to pay their insurance. Would only have to pay the value of your car, the used value of your car at the time of the accident. So if you owe 20 and your car is worth 17, you're going to get a check from the insurance company for $17,000, yours or theirs or however it works. The difference you owe, huh? Guess what? You owe it. And so in the F&I department, that guy who most of the stuff that he sells is a scam and you shouldn't purchase. <laughs> I don't will tell you that at the car dealer, but this is a good purchase. If you're getting a new car or a relatively expensive car, because it takes quite a while to get down to the value because they go down so quickly. So what you do is cover that with gap insurance for a few hundred dollars. And then when the car has this kind of problem, you can go to them and go, look, I, uh, you know, I still have this gap amount and they pay it because you can't sue the other person either for the difference and say, oh, well, your insurance only paid 17, but I owe 20. You don't get to sue them for that. They're, they don't owe you that money. Nobody owes you that money, not the universe, uh, not anybody. Okay. So you don't get to do it, but gap insurance would cover that, uh, difference that has been lost. So Keep that in mind when you go in the dealer, the F&I guy, when you go back there to sign on your paperwork, that's going to be one of the things you're going to try to shove down your throat. That might be something you might want to go, uh, you know, chew on for a little bit. A lot of the other stuff, uh, no. Scotchgard protection, uh, no. <laughs> right, but um, acid rain protection, which they have, no, is a no. But gap insurance, uh, yeah, that'd be something to, uh, to say, yeah, I'll take a look at that and uh, I'm in for it. Now, in my uh, in the reason that we're not yet on Mars today, I would like to uh, talk to you about um, a gentleman in Chicago. So, apparently, he and his friend are you know just hanging out like they do, like this is always starts this way, and they're like, you know, let's go rob some people. We're just bored here, and let's just go do a couple of robberies, and you know, and kind of liven up the day. You know how it is, and you're bored hanging out. And so they go do this robbery, and um, they say, the one guy's like, you know, I'm just going to shoot this guy. I'm just sick of this. Uh, this isn't even enough. Uh, but he, So he pulls the trigger, but nothing happens. 
Now, Revolver, I don't know. Usually work pretty good, but, uh, you know, who knows where they bought this thing. Don't know, maybe from not a reputable source. So, it doesn't fire. And the guy's like, dang it, you know, I was hoping to kill somebody, and then my gun doesn't fire. So, of course, what do you do when that doesn't happen? Well, you look at the barrel. You turn it around and go, wow, <laughs> what the heck is going on? Let me see why this doesn't work. So he points the gun at himself and pulls the trigger again. Well, it turns out this time it worked because you have to have each of those little cylinders full with a bullet. And if you don't have them all full, then when the empty one comes up, it doesn't work. This time it worked and he promptly killed himself. Somebody shooting himself in the face and his friend ran away as they do, but... Uh, they caught him. So that, uh, that's a reason why we might not go on Mars. When you are shooting a weapon, okay, the thing is point gun towards the enemy. You know, just like they print that on a claymore, all right, that should be printed perhaps on a barrel, you know, something like that. Do not point towards face, something to that effect. Likely his family may sue the manufacturer. Don't know about that to say, uh, oh, my poor little boy he was such a good ba baby. He hardly robbed anybody just kind of ridiculous and uh, these he will certainly not be on Mars and hopefully his friend won't be either as we go and uh, those are probably the only things that happen in Chicago it's known to be a crime-free city one of the best cities to live in in the United States certainly so so I want to welcome Kuwait to the show of course with one download and I want to thank everybody for listening consider uh, you know what I said and I'd love to know what you all think about that uh, as the time goes on, remember, there's a live show on YouTube every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time for the foreseeable future. That's been going on for over three years now, so I hope to see you there. Check out the videos, and uh, we will be back soon with another podcast. Thanks for listening.